scripture reading tonight is from the 14th chapter of Matthew, verses 3 and 4. Matthew 14, 3 and 4. For Herod had laid a hold of John and brought and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had said it was not lawful for you to have her. We read of many different examples throughout the Bible. Testament all the way up to the New Testament. And you could, even if you wanted to, get a piece of paper and rip it up into tons of different little pieces, get a pen, write down hundreds of different names from the Bible of those who followed God and obeyed God's Word, put them in a hat, randomly mix it up and then pick one out, and then we could focus a whole lesson, a whole hour on that one individual saying we as followers of God ought to live like this person because of the way they lived according to the Word of God. But I want to take time and not notice just one, but three different individuals that I read up from the New Testament, specifically Matthew chapter 14. And if you could, if you're not already there, go ahead and turn there to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to be there mostly uh, this evening. And the first example we see is John the Baptist. The first example we see is John the Baptist. It was already read for us but, um, very wonderfully, but we're going to go ahead and read it one more time. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 3. And it says, For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, notice this, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. John had the courage to deal with difficult situations. This evening, I want to take time, and like I said, notice the three individuals, but notice not just the individuals themselves, but notice the attributes that they possess. And then see at the very end and ask this question, as, we, as, as followers of God, do we possess the exact same attributes? And the first attribute that we see in John is courage. A follower of God must be courageous. Herod's imprisonment of John was because of the hatred that Herodias had for John. They didn't like the truth that they couldn't be together, but even though it was a very touchy subject and it was a very difficult situation to approach, John still had the courage to do that. You know, even, even today, it's a very touchy subject to go to somebody and say, look, your marriage is not scriptural. It is a very, that is probably one of the hardest subjects for a Christian to approach. But John had the courage to do it. He didn't care what the outcome would be, what would happen to him. He only knew that this needs to be dealt with. It's a very difficult situation, but I'm going to have the courage to stand up and approach them because it's the truth and it needs to be said. As followers of God, we need to make sure that we have the courage to deal with difficult situations, situations that we normally don't want to face. And that could be approaching um, a, a loved one or maybe a, a family member, a friend, a co-worker, somebody that's close to you, and going to them and saying, look, the way you're living is not right. 
you need to repent. You need to make changes in your life. Maybe it's um, to get out of your comfort zone to make sure that the will of God is done. I remember when I was real little, I had a terrible fear of public speaking. To an extent, I still kind of do. It is, public speaking is very scary. But it was one of my greatest fears. And I told myself, I'm going to be a preacher one day. But the part of preaching is you have to publicly speak. And you, if you have a fear of that, you're not really going to be able to do the Word of God by preaching, at least not uh, sufficiently. So I tried and tried and tried to get over my fear and get over my fear, and I, I just couldn't. And eventually, I got the courage to get up no matter how bad I messed up, no matter how many times I fumbled over my words, I had the courage to get up and get out of my comfort zone and preach the Word of God. And it doesn't just have to be preaching. It could be anything concerning the will of God. It could be the case that you have to come to um, a decision on, you know, maybe you have to sacrifice a few things to be able to be at church. I have really good friends who love sports. I love sports. I used to play baseball when I was little. But my parents made sure that church came first. And that is a very difficult subject for some people to approach. But if we have the courage to deal with whatever situation, this is just a handful, whatever situation it may be, if we have the courage to approach these situations as John did, we can be follow, true followers of God and make sure that the truth is said. But not only did John have the courage to deal with difficult situations. John had the courage to persevere persecution. John had the courage to persevere persecution. And we already read it, and uh, read it twice, in fact, but I want to read it one more time. Notice in verse 3, For Herod had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake. Why did he put him in prison? Because he stood up for the cause of Christ. He stood up for what was right. Brethren, As followers of God, by default, if we're Christians, when we go into the watery grave of baptism and we put on Christ in baptism, we have just made a commitment, I'm going to live for Christ. By default, we're going to have to approach, or people are going to come across, and we're going to cross paths with people who don't agree with us. That's just the facts. And because of that, we will be persecuted. There is no, well, we might be able to go through our life and avoid those situations. If that's true, you're not living correctly according to the Scriptures. Because um, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. He didn't say you might suffer persecution. He didn't say you'll, um, there might be a possibility that you know, your feelings might get hurt. He said you will suffer persecution. That's the bottom line. Uh, Jesus Christ told us in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11, uh, blessed are those who um, are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Um, who, uh, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Brethren, it doesn't matter where we are in the world because here in the United States, we don't have it as bad as those over in other countries. There's a brother that we support over in Midtown Church of Christ. We get letters from him. He works over in Africa. He sends letters saying, we need prayers because there are people who are losing their lives for the cause of Christ. There are people literally going to worship and people come out and take their lives from them. But see, we don't, 
we don't necessarily deal with that, and I hope and pray that it does not get to that point. But we do suffer persecution to an extent. In Daniel chapter 6, we read that he was thrown in a den of lions. We are not literally thrown in a den of lions, but sometimes it sure does feel like we're being devoured and that we're being ostracized and we're being persecuted and we're being rejected and we don't want to be heard. And it, but it's, it's little by little. But brethren, if we have the courage that John had to stand up and have the courage to even persevere persecution, there's a hope. And it's, it's, it's really sad and kind of discouraging to hear that we're going to be persecuted. But guess what? There is hope. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer, but be thou faithful unto death. And what does it say? I will give you a crown of life. John had the courage to persevere persecution. And because of that, he will have a crown of life. And if we do the same, we will too. In that verse in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, Be thou faithful unto death. You know, just as John had the courage to deal with difficult situations and had the courage to persevere persecution, he went a step further. He had the courage to lay down his life. John the Baptist had the courage to lay down his life. Notice in verse 8, it says, And she, being before instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John the Baptist's head on a charger. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, but commanded it to be given her. And notice in verse 10, And he sent and beheaded John in the prison. Even though he was facing death, literal death, his life was fixing to be taken from them, he still held to the truth. He still had the courage to lay down his life for the cause of Christ. Brethren, i got a question for you. And we kind of touched a little bit on it in this past point, but I want to take it a step further. Are we sacrificing our lives for the cause of Christ? I know that for every Christian, at least it should be the attitude that we should say, yes, of course I'll die for the cause of Christ. But we really, truly, and I'm talking to myself here, there should be a mirror right here because I'm, I'm preaching to myself. We truly don't know how we are going to react until we are put in a situation that forces us to make a decision. And I hope and pray that what we say will be our actions as well. But not just in a physical standpoint, are we going to give our lives for God? But are we going to be a living sacrifice? Turn over to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, I beseech you, brethren, uh, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Brethren, look, when we go throughout life, when, like I said, when we go into the watery grave of baptism, we make a commitment to God. We are to live faithfully. We therefore, by default, have to be a living sacrifice for God. Because some people, we will be the only Bible that some people read. I've had some people, um, before I came here, I used to work at Hobby Lobby. I love Hobby Lobby, and for multiple reasons, um, not just because it's uh, a spiritual-minded uh, store, but there was good people there, really good people. And it was really sad because they didn't know the gospel. But they, they would come up and ask me questions, 
And it's not, not just because I would you know, constantly really talk about it or I would mention it to him and like try to bring it up, but it was just because the way I was living, it was the way I brought up, it was because I studied the Word of God and I was being a living sacrifice for him. I was making sure I was not going to be a part of the world. I sacrificed myself. When I went into that watery grave of baptism, I said, that old man of sin is put to death. I'm not going to be that kind of person anymore. I'm going to be a living sacrifice to God. And people will see that. Brethren, we need to have the courage, no matter if we're going to suffer persecution, no matter if it does mean our life, or if it means that we have to endure difficult situations. We must be a living sacrifice to God if we're going to be followers of God. Secondly, not only does a follower of God need to be courageous, but a follower of God must be compassionate. A follower of God must be compassionate. Look at verses... Um, 13. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 13. It says, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had um, heard thereof, he followed him on foot out of the cities. And notice this. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Now, I want to take time on this particular part, healed their sick. Brethren, Christ, it says that Christ had compassion on the sick. All right. So in your outline, that would be the next one. Christ had compassion on the sick. But here's the thing. I'm not talking about when I say we as Christians need to be compassionate on those who are sick. You're probably thinking, there's a whole pandemic out there. What do you mean? We're supposed to social distance. We can't heal anybody. Um, and I'm not even a doctor. And I don't have miracles. I can't just wave my hand and say, well, you don't have coronavirus anymore. That's not what I'm talking about. Yes, we do need to tend to those who are sick and help those um, and their needs, the things that they can't do because of their illness. But I'm not even saying try and heal their physical illness. I'm talking about more on a spiritual level. Brethren, do, or do we have compassion on those who are spiritually sick? Do we, have those, do we have compassion on those who are out in the world who don't know anything about the gospel? And we do, and we have the means to teach them. Do we have the compassion to go out there and teach them, those who are sick, and say, look, you're, you are sick with sin. Let me help you. I have the cure. God has the cure. Brethren, Jesus Christ gave us the commandment in Matthew chapter 28 and verses 19 through 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even until the ends of the earth. Brethren, it's not called the great suggestion. It's called the great commission. We are told to go out. It's a commandment. But it, we don't need to think of it as, well, I've got to do it because God said so. It's, I've got to because they don't have any hope if they don't have God. I've got to have compassion on them. And brethren, think about this. What about those who are in your family? Those who are friends? I'm not talking about just strangers either. It's easy to preach somebody the gospel when, they don't, when, you're, when you don't have a really uh, good built relationship because if they reject it, it's like, well, I tried my best, but I'm going to keep on going. Sometimes you get cold feet and we really don't want to hurt our friends' feelings. Look, they're living a godly life, you know. It may not necessarily be according to the scriptures 100%, but they're, they're morally right. 
they, you know, they, they live righteously, they, uh, according to their eyes. They help those in need. They're selfless. They never think about themselves at all. They're such great people. I, I can't tell them that they're in the wrong. Brethren, that's not compassion. If we truly have compassion on those who are sick, we will go to them and say, look, let me tell you about Jesus. He's got the cure. But not only did Jesus have compassion to heal the sick, he had compassion to feed the hungry. Jesus Christ had compassion to feed the hungry. Notice in verse 15, Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 15, and it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, uh, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that uh, they may go into the villages and find themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They need not depart, give ye them to eat. He, the apostles are saying, look, there's so many people here. We don't have any food or provisions to help them. There's so many, and it's already, you know, you've, uh, we've already helped them with the sick and everything. Let's just go ahead and uh, move them on, and then they'll find their own food. Jesus Christ said, absolutely not. They came to us. We're not going to send them away. You take care of their needs. Do we do that sometimes? Do we, as Christians, send away the hungry? And again, I'm not specifically talking about those who are physically hungry. Yeah, the church building, um, we as a church have a, um, uh, we have food set aside for those at the children's home. All right, we have a, a pantry. Okay, that's, that's wonderful. Continue doing that. That's a commandment. I'm talking about those who are spiritually hungry. Those who are craving the Word of God. Those who take time out of their day to try and search out the gospel. They don't know what to do. They just know that they have to do something. Do we sometimes, maybe it's the case that uh, it's been a long day at work, you know, I had to deal with people. You know, Jesus was dealing with people. He was dealing with the loss of his, uh, of his cousin, one of his best friends. Sometimes we, you know, get back from work and it's been a long day and, you know, we've had a lot of people come up and complain to us and it just was not a good day at all. It was like one of the worst days you could possibly have. And then maybe one of your children comes up to you and says, hey, I, I read this in Bible class. Can you, can you tell this to me? I really don't know what this means. Do you say, well, look, it's been a long day. We'll get to that later. I really don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I'm really exhausted. Let's just put that away and, and go do something else for right now. We'll get back to that later. Or maybe it's somebody, not just your children, but maybe it's at work. Maybe there's people who see that you're living righteously, and they see the way that you carry yourself and that you are a Christian. They heard that you go to the church of Christ and that you, you don't uh, have instruments when you sing. You, take, you partake of the Lord's Supper every first day of the week, and you do all of these things, and it's, it's not lining up with any of the other denominations. And they come to you and say, hey, what, can you tell me about this a little bit? I'm a little confused. I'm really interested and like, look, I really don't have time for this right now. I'm sorry. These are good questions, but they require a lot of study and a lot of time to answer it. I just don't have the time for that. Let me tell you something. What happens when somebody is hungry and they don't get fed? But they go up to somebody and say, uh, <laughs> when I was little and I wanted uh, one of my favorite cookies is a macadamia nut cookie. Uh, second would probably be an Oreo. And I would go up to my... Um, my dad, and, and he's, you can't get through him. Like, there's no googly eyes. You can't, you can't, the only thing that would get to him is maybe doing a shoulder rub or something like that. Like, you, you can't say, please, 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 when you're little. He's like, that doesn't have any effect on me. 
And so I go to him, I'll ask, hey, is it all right if I have a cookie? And he's like, no, we're fixing to go eat supper, just wait. And then I'll be like, hmm, okay, you're not going to give it to me. Hey, mama, I got a question for you. And then it works on her because she's, you know, she's the mama. And so it's her little baby, she's hungry. You know, he, I'm, her little baby's hungry. He, you know, he's, he's famished. He needs something to eat. And I'm over there. I got these big brown eyes, you know, and I got my lips stuck out. Can I please have a cookie? Please, just one, just one, just one little cookie. He's like, oh, absolutely. You can get a cookie. But it's not good for me to have that cookie because we're fixing to go eat supper. Guess what? When people come to us for the gospel, and guess what? This is way better than a cookie. This will save a soul. This, this has, this can... Uh, save and condemn some, someone's soul for all of eternity. And people come up and ask us, tell me about the Bible. And we say, sorry, I don't have time. Or sorry, I just, not right now. Guess where they're going to go? They're going to go somewhere else. And they're going to get filled with something, but it's not going to be the Word of God. It's going to be some other denominational doctrine. Brethren, we need to have compassion on those who are hungry, those who are craving the bread of life. And finally, not only does a follower of God need to possess courage, they don't need to just be um, courageous. A follower of God doesn't just need to be compassionate. Brethren, a follower of God must be faithful. A follower of God must be faithful. Notice in verse 28 of chapter 14 of Matthew. Verse 28. It says, And Peter answered him, and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come on, uh, to the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down upon the ship, the walker, uh, the, uh, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, this word, if, that Peter uses, all right, Peter had faithfulness. But it wasn't just the faith that we think of, really. I, I was studying for this point, and it really shocked me on how strong his faith was. The word if that he uses is not an, a word of doubt. The word if here is it's an argumentative if. The same if that Christ used when he says, if I shall go, I shall come again. Or if I go, I, will, I shall come again. Literally meaning, since I am going, it's true that I am going, I will come again. That's the same if that Peter uses here. He says, he's not saying, if it's really you, then prove it to me by letting me walk on the water. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, since it is you, I believe that it is you, allow me to come onto the water to meet you. Peter's faith was sure. Peter's faith was sure. Brethren, is our faith sure? Peter's faith was strong enough to walk on water. Peter's faith was strong enough to get through a storm. Is our faith strong enough to get through a storm? Brethren, 2020 has been a terrible year. I'm just going to say it now. It has been probably the worst year of my entire life, and I'm only 19, okay? It is, and, it, and we're only halfway through. We still have like five more months left. It's been a really rough year, okay? We've had a whole worldwide pandemic. We've had uh, corruption in our country, which has been going on and on and on for years, but it seems like it's just getting worse and worse and worse every single year. We see uh, just so much stuff going on in the world, and it's just like, oh, 2020 says, hey, I'll make it worse for you. But it's not just stuff in a general um, uh, look at it. We have stuff that we have to deal with in our own personal lives. We have to deal with stuff at home. We have to deal with stuff at, um, at, at work. 
We have to make sure that we get those bills paid. We have to make sure that we get um, our children on that uh, event on time. We have to make sure I get to that meeting on time. We have to make sure I do this and that. And it's just little after little after little till it becomes just this huge, boisterous wave of problems and struggles. And it's just like it's overwhelming. Turn to Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Guess where he wrote that? He was in prison. He was writing a letter to those saying, look, don't worry about anything. Continue living righteously. Everything is just trust in God and you'll be able to get through anything. Do you think he planned to be in prison? Do you think he enjoyed that? Absolutely not. But he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter what kind of struggles I have. If I have God on my side, I'll be able to get through the storm. That's the faith that Peter had. Brethren, is our faith sure like Peter? If we're not careful, our faith will falter. Just as Peter's did. Peter's faith faltered. Notice in verse 30. Verse 30, it says, But when he saw a wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Even though his faith was sure and it was strong and it was firm, and he knew that Jesus Christ was the one, he knew that was him on the water, and he knew that he could walk on water, his fears were stronger than his faith. Even though his faith was sure, his fears were stronger. And he took his eyes off of Christ and noticed how big the waves truly were. And he started to worry about those waves. And he started thinking, I might die. And then he realized he started to sink. And he's starting to drown. And then he realizes, I don't have my eyes on Christ anymore. That happens to each and every one of us. Some, I'll be the first one to say, it happens to me. Like, it really does happen to me. Especially in the past few years, it seems like, you know, in, in our lives we have things that we have to deal with and it seems like it's just a domino effect. It's just one thing after the other. And it just seems like, I can't get through this. It's so much trouble, it's so much struggle, it's so much strife and sadness. I can't deal with this on my own. That's true. You need Jesus Christ. Like I said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. If we keep our eyes on Christ, we can get through the storm, brethren. But if we're not careful and we take our eyes off of Christ and think, this is too much for me to handle, you're saying that you can't get through it with God. It's too much for God. Nothing's too strong for God. If we have God on our side, we can, we can get through the storm. You know, it may be the case that you're walking through the storm right now. You've had your eyes on Christ, and it seems like everything was going well. But then you saw how the winds were boisterous and they were ginormous and they were raging and the rain started to pour and the waves started to get bigger and bigger and the winds blew harder and the, the thunder boomed louder and it's just it's scaring you and you took your eyes off of Christ and you're starting to see it's too much and you're starting to sink and you've fallen away but you reached out to God and say help me save me and you want to make those things right or maybe it's just simply the case that you have your eyes on Christ and the storm's getting harder and harder and harder. And you are afraid to look away from Christ. And it's getting easier to. And you need prayers for strength to keep your eyes on Christ. Brethren, whatever the case may be, 
I beg and plead with you to come now as together we stand and as we sing. Did you?